to our stage. Greg, come on up. Um, so excited to have him share this morning. Talk about letting your anxiety level, you know, rise as the announcements are given. Did I, did I cover this? What about this? Uh, morning, everybody. Really? Almost the end of summer. Yeah, it's almost, it's football season. Kurt's poor Broncos. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> they looked good last night, but that's about it. Um, you know, there's a... Fall is in the air. It's a little uh, nippier at night and in the morning. And by the way, the Jubilee service uh, day is really important to teachers. I can tell you that as a teacher myself, um, if I could have that kind of um, human power in my classroom to do those kind of things, um, I'd have a lot more time to just focus on kids. So in doing that, thank you in advance as a teacher. Um, I, I'm in the Lake Washington district, but it's an invaluable service. I'll be in my own classroom that day, uh, getting ready. Uh, <laughs> it's amazing. I'm in a middle school now, after teaching in high school for 35 years. <laughs> I'm in a middle school. This will be my second year. And I got to tell you this story. Um, as school gets closer, I had a kid in my class. His dad was actually a famous uh, news reporter for a while at King 5. But this kid is really intelligent. He's going to, like, change the world someday. But he and I, we kind of tra trade barbs back and forth, and sometimes he doesn't do things very well. Now, you got to remember, he's like 13 or 14. And this one day, he came in, and we were talking, and he said, in front of the class, and he said, I, Mr. Thatcher, I have to ask you this, and I'm totally serious. Okay. Okay, Chance. What is it? And he said, I, I'm serious about this question. Now, I've been thinking about this a lot. And I said, okay, what is it? And he said, when you were my age, did you know any Civil War survivors? <laughs> he said, did you know anybody that fought in the Civil War? And you should have seen the kids in the class. They were like, uh-oh. Uh, he, he flunked for the day. You know, I said, no chance. Uh, there may have been a few people alive after the, you know, from the Civil War era, but i uh, Chances are most of them were dead. And he said, man, I just wondered, because you know how old you are. <laughs> so, yeah, isn't that great? It's just wonderful to be a teacher. And they kind of know how old I am. Uh, we're talking about SOAP this summer. Here we are. And um, SOAP stands for uh, Scripture, uh, Observation, Application, and Prayer. I'm not sure why it's not moving. Is there a reason the car is not moving? Oh, there's a car moving. And Kurt is in the car, by the way. It's a combination of a Ford Rambler Lincoln uh, Chevy 57. But you can't tell which one it is because we can't advertise and stuff. But we're looking at a summer of soap. Scripture, observation, again. No, see, I went too far ahead. See, it's not going. Scripture, observation, application. We're asking the Lord, give us a speed bump. See those things? See those speed bumps? Give us a speed bump. Show us something in that scripture, because there's, about, um, there's an Old Testament and a New Testament reading. Give us something, Lord. Open our eyes to see something from your word that we can apply to our lives and then prayer. So, S-O-A-P, the summer of soap. Kurt had told us at the beginning of the summer that the, the messages would probably dovetail into one another. And listening to Eric last week, sitting there listening to him, I thought, wow, what a great fit this is for mine and mine for his. So the Lord's done some amazing things in speaking to us through the soap, but I gotta tell you this, that I'm not a soap um, follower. <laughs> so when Kurt asked me to do this, it was like, no, I don't do soap. I'm leading worship anyway that day, right? And he was like, yeah, I think you're supposed to do it. Well, I could lead worship and do the sermon, I guess. I used to do that. And he said, well, you ask the Lord. And sure enough, I, I was reading through the soap and asking for a speed bump, and I got one. Um, what a surprise. I got two of them. The first one was out of Ephesians 3, uh, 14 through 19. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. 
Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots, very key, will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully, at least down here for now. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. But what really got my attention, um, I don't know about you, but I love to um, read the scripture in different um, versions. Those of you that are as old as me, maybe, you remember those Bibles we used to get that had side-by-side translations, side-by-side versions? And, you know, you looked really spiritual if you had the one that was this thick because they had like eight different versions side-by-side. And, but the message, it just really stood out to me. My response is to get down on my knees before the Father, this magnificent Father who parcels out all heaven and earth. I ask him to strengthen you by his Spirit, not a brute strength, Wow, but a glorious inner strength that Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. And I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on love, you'll be able to take in with all followers of Jesus the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reach out and experience the breadth. Test its length. Plumb the depths. Rise to the heights. Live full lives, full in the fullness of God. That's what I want from my life. That's what I want to step into every day, 24-7, 366 days a year if it's a leap year. And even if there's an eclipse in the year. I want to step into that every day. Do I do that? No. I want it from my life, though. I've walked with Jesus for over four decades, ministering the gospel, leading worship, and in leadership for more of those four decades. Before I became a Christian, however... I wanted to be a rock star. <laughs> Good grief. By the way, Kurt said, you should show some pictures from those days. Good grief. Look at that hair. And I was a contemporary in a band of, if you remember Steve Schiffman, who used to play bass for us. God rest his soul. He's gone on to be with the Lord. Um, you know, I try to make a name for myself and all those things. But once I came to faith, which was pretty dramatic, I wanted to be a teacher. I believe that God was calling me to be a teacher. What my friends think I do with little kids, what my mom thinks I do, like Einstein. <laughs> my mom thinks I'm Einstein. What society thinks I do, nothing. Right? Uh, what kids think I do, what, what I think I do, you know, like goodwill hunting. And then Kyle and the rest of us that teach for a living, you know, this is the other stuff that we do. Uh, all those nice uh, acronyms there. I love teaching. I, I do. I had a teacher in high school that changed my life. He was my U.S. history teacher. His name was Bill Russell. He was not a basketball player. He was my U.S. history teacher. He had a huge impact on my life. I didn't know it then, but I certainly know it now. I'm a teacher through and through. I've taught in private Christian schools for about 30 plus years. Now I teach in public school. I've taught history. I've taught Bible. Can you believe that? Kevin and, and, and Adam, do you know I used to do worship seminars for, um, for churches? Did, I, did you know I did that? Yeah, it begs the question, why isn't he a better worship leader? <laughs> I mean, I guess those who can, can do and those who can't, you know, teach. So, <laughs> I, t- I coach basketball, I coach soccer, I coach baseball, um, I taught Sunday school, I, had, I taught life skills, I taught math, oh my gosh, math. <laughs> Mr. Thatcher, that's not the right answer. You wrote out the wrong... Oh, I did? Oh, that's just, just a test to see if you got it right. <laughs> so you could show me I was wrong. And then I taught um, AP, advanced placement classes. I like to teach. Um, I like to explain to people how stuff gets done, how things have happened. I like systems. Do you like systems? If you're an engineer, you probably love systems, right? You know, do this, and then do this, and then this happens. Or... This happened in history, and then this happened as a result, and this was the big result. I love doing that. Um, You know, learning from mistakes and so forth. My dad says I just like telling people what to do. (laughs) He he still asks me to this day, when are you going to get a real job? You know? I know. I I guess compared to air traffic controlling, which he did for, you know, 30-plus years, I guess that's probably pretty easy compared to air traffic controlling, teaching is. 
But God wants a picture in Ephesians for each of us. That picture of testing the heights and the depths and the breadth and the length. He wants that from, I'm not sure you can put that into a system. Now, I, I could come up with that. But we're to be planted in him. And it's supposed to be a glorious life. There are patterns, yes. But it's supposed to be a glorious life. His kingdom has come into my heart and has lived through my, through my life and through the life of his church. How is that? Well, it, answers, it helps answer the prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that Jesus said should be our prayer to the Lord. So we're an answer to prayer. Isn't that cool? Just think of the people that prayed for you. You're an answer to prayer. You're part of the legacy. I didn't mention the other speed bump, did I? You know, like Eric, I don't exactly love the book of, of Jeremiah. It's like, oh no, Jeremiah. <laughs> I'm going to avoid that one. But every time I've studied Jeremiah, I have got something you know, significant. I remember 20-some years ago, I was studying Jeremiah, and the Lord gave me a word for Kitsap County. It was so pertinent, and it was so alive, that I thought, how could that come out of Jeremiah? But it did. It's, by the way, it still got, I looked at it the other day, I thought, wow, God, you really said something there. That's because it's the Holy Spirit. So lo and behold, this other speed bump comes out of Jeremiah 12, verses 1 and 2. Lord, you always give me justice when I bring a case before you, so let me bring you this complaint. <laughs> by the way, God's not, not really upset about complaints. Why are the wicked so prosperous? Why are evil people so happy? You've planted them and they have taken root and prospered. Your name is on their lips, but you're far from their hearts. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, Lord, how does that work? This is not the kind of planted I want to be. Or am I like that? How do I know that I might be like that? Can we tell that we're like that? Are we supposed to critique how kind of planted people are without looking at our lives. As a teacher, I could come up with a system so we could deduce who is planted in love and who is not. By the way, before Paul wrote about being planted, Jesus had plenty to say about plants and planting. Remember the parable of the sower. So that's where we're headed today, being planted. And I'm going to ask that um, Justine Morris, who her and Josh hosted last night, the South End Barbecue. It was so fun. Man, I just love getting to know people. How about you? I mean, even if you're not an extrovert, just to get to know one other person is so much fun. So Justine, if you would lift up another church and lift up the message this morning, and if you'd please lift up Kurt and Julie as well. Oh, Father, I just um, thank you that we live in a land where we can gather freely to worship you together. And I do um, lift Kurt and Julie and you, their Mom. kids to you and this new baby that's coming. Father, just your favor and provision. And, um, and I just speak life and um, new beginnings in, in all of your hope for them, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Um, and um, I want to lift Kalos Church to you, Lord, the plant in downtown Bellevue. I think you're doing an amazing work through them and, and um, keep, keep bringing the people that they need That's to pull that off. And I just ask for, in that heart of Bellevue where that church is going to be, Lord, that, that the softening of people's hearts and a desire to come to see you and know you would just really grow. Um, God, I just pray for this land, people that um, have really decided that, that they don't need you. Um, God, soften our hearts, Lord. And, um, Father, speak through Greg today. We just need your word, Lord. We need your presence and your life-changing word for our lives, Lord. Would you change us today, yes, Father, that our, open, our hearts would be open and our minds would just hear you, Lord. Um, thank you, Father, for loving us. Amen. Amen. Um, apparently, I gave the... the um, visual folks, a hijacked version of the movie Jesus, so we cannot have the video this morning. Just kidding. I'm going to read this to you. The, the, the parable that Jesus um, talked about is about the parable of the sower and the soil. I'm going to read the second part from Mark 4, starting with verse 13. 
the, the apostles asked Jesus, could you explain this parable to us? Because we don't understand it. And Jesus took the parable and he said to them, if you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? The farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or, persecuted, or, or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth and the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. I'm not going to go into detail about the parable. I just want to bring this out, that Jesus said that the seed planted in good soil has a return of 30, 60, and 100 times compared to the seed that fell on the footpath that was in the rocky soil or it was in the soil that was choked out by the weeds. God wants a return on the investment that he planted in you and I. He says that's very important in other places of Scripture. So what does good soil look like? And I thought, and another point in giving this, in thinking about this sermon, I thought, oh, I can take soil types and I can like show them in a soil bin, bin thing here and I can, you know, well, here's how it basically shakes out. Again, the teacher in me wants to do this, this system thing. But there are three components to good soil, sand, silt, and clay. And if they're in good proportion to one another, it forms what's called loam. And from the loam, which is good soil, comes a good crop. And, you know, I thought, again, you know, like I'm trying to tell myself, don't give these people a system. <laughs> and then the system came again and it said, yeah, like reading the word is the sand and prayer is like silt and fellowship. And, no, no, stop doing that. <laughs> stop trying to be a teacher. I can tell you this, that good soil helps us to stay close to God. All of these things are good and important in our lives. Fellowship, prayer, you know, the, you know word, the word. They're important in our lives, but it's my application. It's my comparison. It's my analysis. And by the way, when it comes to soil and growing things, I don't have a green thumb. I have the thumb of death. <laughs> okay? So I am not one to talk to you about growing things in the soil very well. The teacher in me wants to give you a system. But God's life is in us and reproduced and multiplied, he says, if the soil is good. Have you asked him what you need for your life for that soil to be rich? Soil has much to do with a plant thriving and reproducing. We want to grow and we want to reproduce. We want to be stronger. I believe that each of us wants to be moved towards being like Jesus. Whether the circumstances are good or bad or indifferent. I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. But God uses all those things to, so that we will grow and reproduce. I think it means that when we're well planted in his love, that the life of Jesus looks bigger and stronger in our lives. That when you and I look in a spiritual mirror, the life of Jesus come, becomes clearer. And I don't know if I can say this without breaking down in front of you, but after leaving the Christian school and going to public school, I can tell you that the life of Jesus thrives in me when I walk the halls of my school in a greater dimension than I've ever known. Now, if you're in Christian school teaching, I am not telling you to leave your job. That's not the point here. Okay? My, my point is, I can see the Lord growing in my life like I haven't seen in at least 20 years. At least 20 years. My wife and family are greatly surprised about what's happened to me. Somebody turned you inside out, Dad. <laughs> what's going on? It means that the life of Jesus looks bigger and stronger in you and I as we submit to him as we're in that good soil. What do you need to grow? But before we continue on with soil and growing and reproducing and thriving, Jesus said this. 
I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. It remains alone. It remains, oh, there we go. It remains alone, but its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. I was on my way to Montreal in 1976 with YWAM, um, and we were in a, in a van caravan, four vans, 10 of us in a van, and we were heading, you know, and we were in the Midwest, midway through our, uh, our trip to Montreal, and I was reading this book by a guy named Alfred Rousseau. The book's not important. It was called The Lame Take the Prey, but I was reading this book about Alfred Rousseau, this I didn't ever heard of him. And he was talking about all these churches that he planted and all these things he did for God. And he would say, God, how are we going to do this? And God would say, trust me and obey me and pray and you'll find out. Oh, he even started Seattle Bible Institute. If you're old enough to remember Seattle Bible Institute, he was one of the founders. I went to the front of the van where my director was there, a guy who I just loved and still look up to. His name was Wes Anderson. I said, Wes, when I read this book, I don't feel like I'm saved. I've been saved three years, full of the Holy Spirit, baptized, I speak in tongues, I believe in the miraculous, I don't feel like I'm saved reading this book. So, well, Jesus the Lord of your life? Well, yeah, I told you I speak in tongues. I'm not just saved, and he didn't speak in tongues, by the way. He said, well, is Jesus the Lord of your life? What do you mean? He said, can Jesus tell you where to go? Can Jesus tell you what to do? Is he the director, or is he just, are you just glad you got saved and you're involved in a church and doing stuff? Because if he's not the Lord of your life, I'm telling you, you're going to face some things in Montreal that you're not ready for. So you better get it straight. Oh. <laughs> so I went to the back of the van where nobody else was. Everybody else was pretty much asleep. They were napping. I said, Jesus, would you just take my life? Would you just take everything that I have? And the power of that moment stays with me today in knowing him like that. And man, I'll tell you, I, gee, I have made so many mistakes along the way since then, but it was a defining point. Listen, every step that Jesus took here on the planet was one of humility. You know, it's not that he just that he walked the earth in humility. He left heaven in humility. He left the realm of heaven and came here, and he, he lived his sinless life just like we do, and went to a cross and he did nothing wrong. Instead, he took what was wrong with us on himself. He walked, every step was humility. The Apostle Paul talks about that in Philippians 2, 5 through 12. Listen, how, how different would our lives be if we li started and lived this prayer out? Lord, how can I live for you today? I don't belong to you. I'm sorry, I don't belong to me. I belong to you. I don't belong to me. And listen, don't we get up in the mornings and think, okay, what do I got to do? You know, since I started teaching in a public school, it's like, Lord, what do you want me to do today? What do you want? And I get, and I have my quiet time and I have my prayer and so forth. And I live out, I've been doing this, I got to do this every day, man. And by the way, that's no insurance policy. Uh, don't do it for an insurance policy or a good luck charm, whatever you want to call it. Okay, it's just to get my heart right and to get my heart ready so that during the day I can sustain that walk with him. Could it be that it's simpler than all the formulas and systems that have been given to us? Could it be that God's desire for us is to discover this amazing gift? By the way, there's nothing in here. But thank you for wrapping it, Maureen. This amazing gift that he's given us? I mean, just think about the gifts that he's given us, his love, not that we loved him, but that he first loved us, salvation, <laughs> you and I didn't earn that. It's a free gift. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and that, God, that Jesus didn't con come into the world to condemn the world, but through him, we could be saved. By his grace, we've been saved through faith. And Ephesians 2 says this, it's a gift from God. It's a gift. Christ has set us free, Galatians 5, 1 says. Don't, since he set you free, don't be going back to your, your yoke of bondage that you were wearing. It's a gift. 
God wants us to discover that our lives are a journey that he has us on. That our growth is a personal journey as well as one in which we do life together as his body. One of the greatest things that yesterday during the community barbecue in the south end there over at Morris's house was just hearing people talk. Just getting to know them. Just hearing how they live life. So that God's, God so loves us as individuals that he also loves us as his body. I was having a discussion with somebody at school the other day uh, a few weeks ago, and the guy was, you could tell, he'd been in the church and so forth and so on, and been serving, and he was railing against things that had happened in the church. By the way, I didn't start that conversation. He did. And I've never told him, yeah, I'm a Christian, how about you? He just started in. I said, you know something? I said, Jesus still loves the church, and he still has purpose for it. He said, I don't know what people have done in your life to mess that up. I said, but I'll tell you what. He still loves the church, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. And he kind of looked, yeah, but what about, I said, I know, I know, Mark, but man, where I go, where I go to church, I said, it's, it's great. Not since I was a young believer have I found a group of people that love him and do life together in the real, like this one. Hmm, okay. But don't forget, I didn't bring it up. <laughs> I didn't say, so what did you think about the church? Well, he just started weighing in about the church. I think it was tweets or something about the election. I don't know. But we have to die first. You ever see a time lapse? I was gonna show it to you, but I decided not to. Time lapse of a, of a, of a seed going into the soil and then breaking apart, putting down roots, and then going upwards. I had a friend of mine from years ago, he gave a message one time, it was, he said, root downward, fruit upward. And when I looked at that, looked at that time lapse, I saw those roots, and if the, if the, if the plant was gonna go up out of the soil, the further up it went, the further down the roots went. So for me to grow as a Christian, my roots gotta keep going down. They have to keep going down so that as, my, as what I have goes up and people see that and it's visible, my root is way down. Now, I don't know if that's gonna be prayer, I don't know if that's gonna be fellowship, I don't know, but I'll tell you this, your roots gotta go down if the plant's gonna flourish. I know that from watching those time-lapse videos a number of times that I have. These are, this is not a system. These are tools that God has given us. The word, prayer, fellowship, family, circumstances, both good, bad, and indifferent. God brings those in order to draw us closer to him, and it's not a formula. Just like Jeremiah complaining to God, there are times when I look at others and wonder and compare, why are their lives trouble-free? What came to my mind and heart was this. We're to be planted to the to the heart of God, close to the heart of God, and yet there are those circumstances and situations where others who really don't seem all that concerned about God seem to have it really good compared to me. What's the deal? <laughs> Jeremiah says, God, you planted them. <laughs> they're, they're, they're words on your list, but their hearts are far from you. Why do they prosper? Why has my family struggled? with so many unhappy life circumstances. And I share this with you, not so that you feel sorry for me or for us, but to let you know that in the midst of uh, living life, things like my wife being in an accident six months ago and being debilitated in this accident for the last six months, Lord, when is this gonna come to an end? Because she's in pain every day, and it doesn't seem like you're doing anything. And Lord, what is gonna be the direction for her life? Because we're together as a couple. God, would you mind answering that? My son went through a tragic divorce two years ago, about two years ago. I mean, I mean, it tore at the very fabric of my family. By the way, I can walk through some things, but don't mess with my kids, huh? You feel like that? My son, not only was he divorced, but he's, he was homeless for a time. And he's not homeless now, but it's tenuous. It's tenuous. And I can't, I can't do it for him. God, do you remember the prayer I prayed? when he was in the crib. Do you remember that? And remember the promises you gave me? What is going on here? By the way, God's not intimidated by my questions, by, by the big feelings I have about it. He's not intimidated. 
I believe his arm is around me when I do that. How about you? Lord, what about my daughter? Now, I want to tell you that my daughter, she, she went through a tragic divorce as well. By the way, it begs the question, what's wrong with the parents? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I mean, <laughs> my daughter went through a tragic divorce three years ago. Now, she's remarried, and, and she's in a great family. Thank God for this guy that came along. I mean, he is wonderful, and so forth and so on. But Lord, when's she coming back to you? It's going to happen to my grandkids, because I lifted them up too. You been in those situations? I want to ask you right now a question. What has been your response when trouble comes in the last two, three years? Think about it. I want to know your response, not the result. What's been your response when trouble comes? Think about that for a minute. And then would you popcorn some of your responses out? What was your response when trouble came? Just go ahead and shout it out. Okay? Okay? Pain. Trust. Okay? Confusion. Yes. Uh, pardon? Panic. Yeah, 20 years ago, this month, I was diagnosed with panic disorder and depression because of some serious life circumstance. Doesn't mean I wasn't close to God, but I'll tell you what, I know that. I know what that feels like. Now, what's the result been for you? Go ahead, popcorn that out. More. Loss of faith. Increased faith. Trust. See, the Christian life is to know him and to, to plumb the depths and the heights and the, and the breadth and the depth. You can't just have his name on your lips because that's not relationship. I don't think God calls us to a trouble-free life and then says, oh yeah, that's relationship. Oftentimes, we become, I was going to say cynical, cyclical, <laughs> which is part of being cynical in relationship with God and not intentional. I'll get back to that. Bad circumstances arise out of nowhere sometimes. We maybe hear a good sermon that applies to that. We have a good worship time. We determine to get closer to God. God seems closer for a time. Things get better. Time goes by, and again, something bad happens. Uh-oh, God is mad at me. He wants my attention. He's paying attention to all my bad points again. <laughs> He'll allow us... He'll allow things to get our attention, don't forget. So we pull ourselves together and we pray and we promise to do better. And the circumstances pass and we forget what we said. And again, something bad happens and the cycle starts all over again. What an exhausting way to live the Christian life. He wants our attention no matter what, focused on him. A bad event doesn't mean that he doesn't love me. Just as a good event doesn't mean that he loves me more due to my lack of problems. Wow. Um, I thought I had, oh, there it is. <laughs> you know, it kind of reminds me of the orbit <laughs> of a comet. It really does. Um, here's our life right here, like our normal life, going this way. Here's, here's normalcy, right? And here we go, because here's the orbit of a giant planet. You can say that those are you know, bad things that happen to you. Hey, God, <laughs> God, do I have your attention? The tail gets light, or sorry, more bright because we're getting closer to him. Hey, Lord, do you see? Okay, yeah, you do hear me. Okay, thank you. Oh, that was a good sermon, Lord. I really liked it. I promise I'll do better. Thank you, Lord. See you later. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we, we kind of do this thing where, uh, oh, oh. Uh, Hey, God, you know, oh, things are good. You know, whatever you want to call this. This is, you know, and I like this. A comet spends most of its time in the outer solar system. I, I thought of myself as a Christian. Is that what I'm like? You know, when I thought about, you know, the cyclical thing, I thought, am I, am I like this? Where my life is, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. hey, 
Hey, Lord, do you remember me? Hey, God, oh, thank you. Okay, things are better. Okay, those finances got met. Okay, my family's better. And then he doesn't hear from us again until something else happens, and then we're back to where we were. One problem of this method of Christianity is that we're not abiding in Jesus. It's not, it's not cyclical. It, it, our life is to be, you know, we have a different orbit. We're close to the sun, S-O-N. That that's where our relationship is. And then we understand as we plumb those depths and those heights and, and so forth and so on, that he's right there. Because we've, we've become intentional about our relationship with him. Not cyclical, but intentional. You know something, if my kids are going to have problems or if my, if my teammates at school are going to have problems, by the way, one of the guys I taught with last year who was just a staunch, wonderful man, educator and so forth, and by the way, he's away from the Lord, he now, he's just been diagnosed with stage three cancer. And if those problems are going to come, you know what I need? I don't need this kind of a relationship out here. I need right here. I need right there. And if those things are going to happen, I can ask those questions and I can get real intentional about my walk with Jesus and trust him no matter what. I remember when my, my, my sister died about eight years ago and I asked my wife, I said, how are we going to go through this? And she said, we take one step at a time, one foot in front of the other, and we walk it out with God. And no matter where we find ourselves, Good circumstances, bad circumstances, in different circumstances, I am not, I have determined intentionally that I'm not going out here. I'm staying right in here. When trouble comes, you're my hiding place. Man, how long has it taken me to get there, though? Here we go with a plant again. Live in me, Jesus said. Make your home in me, just as I do in you. In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine, you can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. I'm not joined with him. If I can go back to that slide. I'm not joined to him living, sorry, living like this. I'm not. I'm not joined to him. And see, I can't give you a form. Well, read your Bible more. You know, be with God's people. Okay? Obey the word fast. Oh, boy. And all I got was a stomachache. <laughs> that didn't work. It's not that those things can't work. They're tools, but they're not a system. Because not, as a teacher, I've learned, not every student learns the same way as I present the stuff for them. And every believer is as different as every fingerprint, thumbprint, retina scan that there is for individuals. A comfort zone is a beautiful place, but nothing really grows there. <laughs> I, just, I just want to be comfortable. I just, you know, I want to die in my sleep. <laughs> you ever feel like that? I just wish my kids would be better. That's not intentional living in Jesus. I, I love what um, John the Baptist said. He must increase, I must decrease. Six simple words that John the Baptist said. He must increase, I must decrease. And you know, it's, it's funny. When we lose our life for his sake, we, we really find out who we are. I love these last two years teaching in public school. I found out a lot about me. You know why? Because I want to live for him more. And I'm finding out in Jesus who I am. It's, it's a wonderful thing. It really is. And to think I was teaching in Christian school, I'm not putting it down. Please don't think that. I'm not putting it down. It was time for me to go and move on, right? And I was kind of like getting dead. And by the way, I don't think the opposite of love is hate. I think it's indifference. And I was becoming indifferent. Because, hey, I do this all the time. This is what I always do. This is who I am. Don't take me out of this room, God. This is my room at this school. Don't you dare take me out of here. Why was I talking to God like that anyway? Wow. A comfort zone is a beautiful place, but nothing really grows there. 
God wants us to leave the cyclical relationship and get into an intentional, planted relationship with him where Christ is alive in us daily and others see him plainly. Not a lot of talking, but a lot of living. Remember that CenturyLink commercial about um, their cable system? And the guy would say, now show me, don't tell me. I, you know, my drama class that I teach, can you believe I teach 6th, 7th, and 8th graders a drama class? I mean, I am not an actor. Well, maybe I am an actor, I don't know. But I always, I always tell them, show me, don't tell me. I, I wonder how much better we would be in living this Christian life in the marketplace if we did a show me, don't tell me. Again, it's not, I, I'm not going to give you a formula. He wants us to leave that cyclical relationship to where we're planted in him. Let's stop wondering when life will be good or uneventful or uncomfortable. Jesus always wants us to be close to him no matter what. One thing I've, I haven't stated here about uh, being planted and ha having root and having a nice, you know, ha having uh, overflow in that is that we're covered in his love. The one component of the soil is that we're covered. He's the rock of our salvation. He gives us shelter that nothing can separate us from his love. No one can snatch us out of his hand. No situation, no person. He covers us in that soil. And that's how we grow because we're connected to him. Oswald Chambers <clears throat> said one time that one true sign of discipleship or one of the true signs of discipleship is intimate oneness with Jesus, a knowledge of him that cannot be shaken. Jesus said this, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. I don't hear a lot of Christians claiming that part of the verse, do you? <laughs> yeah, bring it, God. I mean, but you don't have to ask to bring it. It's going to happen. And by the way, nothing happens except he says, Yes. Read Job. Have you seen my servant Job? God said. Oh, yeah? Satan said, do this. And he had to have God's permission. So it's not that God puts you through that, yeah, I've tested you. He says, trust me. Sometimes it's that simple in plumbing, you know, the height, the depth, and so forth. Take heart because I have overcome the world, Jesus said. I read um, Lyle Hall's post, I don't know if you follow him, but I read his post the other day about what was happening with the Messiah, and I thought, I have no problems compared to what he's going through right now. I really don't. I'll tell you what, God's with him, though, every bit as much as he's with you and I. He's with Lyle and his family and that tribal situation, just like he's with us in the marketplace, just like he's with us with our families, just like he's with us with our friends. He's right there. He doesn't move. He doesn't leave. I was so glad what Kevin said this morning. He's already here. Where two or three are gathered, he's there. He's here right now. He's ministering to us. He's ministering to you and I. Is he speaking to your heart this morning? Is it time to get off the good things, bad things mentality and ask for a renewal of our hearts and minds? No formula. But he's reminding us of the good things that he has in store for us both as individuals and as his church. I don't want that planted relationship of Jeremiah 12 that talks about the fact that I'm in name only with God. I don't want a place of non-circumstance or indifferent because that's not a relationship. I greatly desire that growth will illustrate, be illustrated in my life so that people will know and that my heart will know that I belong to the God of the universe and that he is intimately acquainted with me because he gave his son for me. He so loved me that he gave his son for me who walked a perfect life and took all my sins to the cross and put them on himself where his father was having his face turn away, died on a cruel cross, but three days later was raised again so that one day I can be with him. But meanwhile, I'm living here. Meanwhile, by the way, I'm really an alien here. Did you know that? You're, you and I, I mean, as much as I love my country, even though I don't understand what's happening, 
and I'm praying for my country and for my leaders, I have to realize that I'm really a citizen of heaven first. Am I living like that? Don't look at other people. You know, I wish so-and-so was here to hear this message. What about us right now in this moment? What do we need to, to ask the Lord about so that we can live this kind of a life, this gift that he's given us in the everydayness of who we are? I want this kind of planting. My response is to get on my knees before the Father, this magnificent Father, just getting, I'm going to cut right to the yellow part, that Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. And I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on love, you'll be able to take in with all followers of Jesus the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Jesus said this, the seed planted in the good earth represents those who hear the word, embrace it, and produce a harvest beyond their wildest dreams. First Corinthians says this, I has not seen nor ear heard, or has it entered into the heart of man, those things that God has prepared for those who love him. Not just there, not prepared there, because Jesus said he would go to prepare a place for us. You can count on it. If he said it, it's true. He's gone to prepare a place for you and I. He's talking about here too. So looking at the soap, we've seen scripture, we've seen two passages of scripture, we've, we've observed something in those things about being planted in good soil and bearing fruit. We've asked for the application and now the prayer for this morning is, Lord, how can I live for you today? I don't belong to me, I belong to you. Do you need to recommit your life this morning? I'm gonna ask the worship team to come on up. Do you need to recommit your life this morning? You know, when I was a young believer, I remember this, I'd go to the altar like every other week <laughs> at the end of the service. And, you know, the guys that were the elders in the church, they'd say, so what is it this time? <laughs> because I wanted to renew my commitment and my life with Jesus. Because I knew what he did. He did for me at 18 years old what I could never have done and really tried to do in myself. And that was change. But heavenly change, let me tell you, is totally different, isn't it? Isn't, isn't heavenly change totally different? Isn't it great? Maybe you need, you know, maybe there's a recommitment. There, maybe there's a reconnection you need to make with God this morning. Maybe it's just to say thanks. Maybe in the busyness of your life, it's, it's been hard to realize a, a, a time and a place where you could just say thanks. You could reflect on the fact of what he's done for you. Because listen, if we're going to live this life, if we're going to live in that and have good soil and sprout and reproduce, then we have to realize it's got to be him. Again, when we look in the spiritual mirror, oh yeah, you know, Lord, I'm still not who I should be, but I really like what you're doing in my life right now. I really like who you are. I love who you are, Jesus. Lord, I give my life for you. I, I want to lay down my life again for you. Come in afresh and come in anew that I can know you intimately. Take the cups that are in front of you. Jesus gave his life. Don't you love that the last thing that he did with his apostles was he enjoyed Passover with them. He said, I, I've I've been looking forward to doing this with you for a while, Jesus said. Now I've got to undo the cups. He said, he took the bread and he said, take this and eat it. This is my body. He gave himself for us. Man, I'll tell you what, I don't know about you, but my life was broken. I'd hurt so many people. I was so in, just in confusion in my life. I said yes to Jesus, and things changed. I mean, literally, in seconds, things changed in my life. That can happen this morning. Father, we take the bread this morning. This is your body. God, we have messed up our lives, but Lord, we are finding ourselves in you this morning. Our life is hidden with Christ in God, so that when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, we will be revealed with you in glory. Lord, we are hidden 
in you this morning. And we take the bread in Jesus' name. The scripture says that in the same way he took the cup. He said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Father, thank you for shedding, seeing the blood of your son shed for our sins. Lord, the atonement, at one place in time, you took care of our sin. Boom. And Lord, because of Jesus, if we say yes to him, our sins are forgiven. And we start anew with you. And Lord, this morning, I pray that we would start anew with you. God, it's the desire of my heart. And walking with you all these years, it's a desire of my heart to be different, to be changed by you again and again. I'm so tired of, of seeing things that I live for myself in. Lord, I want to see you in that mirror be bigger in my life so I can say yes. And Lord, look what I've done with what you've given me when I get to glory. And Lord, you'll know me. You'll know me. And I'll know you face to face. Thank you for the blood of Jesus shed on the cross for us to have that at one the atonement for us. Thank you, Lord. You take that. Lord, seal what you've said in your word this morning. Thank you that we get to be your kids, planted in your love because it was a free gift you gave us, growing in you, staying close to your heart and asking every day, Lord, what is it that you want from me today? Because I do not belong to me. I belong to you. In Jesus' name.